This is the Data Download, your guide to upping your game when it comes to managing and accessing data in your organization. For Calibra, I'm your host, Jay Miller. CSR, ESG, DEI. These are important initiatives at Calibra and at many organizations. These kinds of programs drive meaningful impact in society, environmentally, and in business. Are there changes in how organizations do their work? Yes, and that's a good thing. It's good for people, it's good for business, and it's good for the world. Our guest today is going to help us navigate through this alphabet soup and learn all about making the world a better place. Hi, everybody. I'm Melissa Mavlanova August. I am the Global Head of Equity and Impact at Calibra. I oversee environmental social governance and diversity, equity, inclusion. Equity in my title stands for DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, and impact stands for ESG, environmental social governance. I lead a global team who is currently focused on developing Calibra's internal environmental social governance roadmap taking it to the next level, as well as looking at some commercial and customer-related components as well. I'm based in London. My team's based in New York, and uh, we work cross-functionally across the business to make sure that we drive real change backed by data. Excellent. Thank you. So environmental, social, and governance, a lot of people call that ESG, and diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI. You get to oversee both of those for Calibra, and I think it's really cool that we are weaving the two of those together under one mandate. What would be really interesting is if you can connect the dots between the two for us, I think that'll be a good story to hear about. So ESG is all about a business making sure it's protecting itself for the future, right? Making sure it's a really sustainable business, making sure it's overseeing its environmental and sustainability practices, as well as its people practices, social impact, diversity, equity, inclusion people or traditional human resources, all of that stuff, and corporate governance. So when we got started looking at ESG more formally, we realized there was a real direct link to our DEI-related work. And our DEI-related work had actually started to take on a bit of a corporate social responsibility focus. So when we started exploring DEI more formally and then corporate social responsibility more formally, we suddenly realized that there was a real natural fit with aligning DEI, CSR to ESG more formally. And that's how things kind of got started. So all of the governance that we were putting in place from a DEI perspective, we built on that. We looked at the way in which the business had been leading in corporate governance practice since its inception. And we just felt that all of this could combine quite nicely under the same team. So we say that we are the team who looks after all things planet, people, and economy, essentially. Planet, people, and economy. I like that summary. So DEI was a program here that you were leading before we began the ESG efforts formally. Is that what I hear you saying? Yeah, definitely. So under DEI, you had started ERG programs. We got a lot of acronyms on this show. Uh, so, so you <laughs> yeah. had started some ERG programs. Tell us a little bit about that because you mentioned planet, people, and economy. I'm really honored to get to hang out with you and all of the teams that are in that program. So tell us a little bit more about that and then we can connect more dots. 
well, a lot of this appetite has come from our community teams and from our employees themselves. So, you know, we've certainly seen a lot of employee appetite for environmental work, sustainability work, DEI work. And so before we formally had an ESG team, we had a Planet Calibra community, which was an environmental community spearheading environmental initiatives, spearheading environmental thought leadership. And it's the same with diversity, equity, inclusion, corporate social responsibility as well. So we have a range of communities. Some companies call them ERGs, employee resource groups. We have rebranded to call them communities just to focus more on that human touch. And we have a lot of DEI-related communities. You know, we have a Black and Latinx community, an Asian community, parents community, women's community, women in tech community. We have many, many. I think we have a total of nine now with our recently launched veterans community. It's up to nine. That's great. It's amazing. And these communities really do foster a sense of inclusion, accountability, right? Because they lean into policy development, they lean into practice development, and they help us to identify the needs that we need to be focusing on within the business. And so we had six or seven DEI-related communities when I joined, and we just had the one environmental community. So a lot of our employees were talking all about the kind of DEI side of the house. But with the way in which the pandemic has brought the environmental crisis to the forefront of global media, industry trends, the way that investors have been really paying attention to ESG, these groups also started really bringing environmental focus to our attention as well. And they saw a direct link between systemic inequality and environmental inequality. And those people who are often impacted the worst by environmental crisis are often marginalised communities. So our kind of sense of responsibility as a company grew and grew and grew. And we just felt that we needed to formally get our arms around environmental social governance and incorporate diversity, equity, inclusion into that environmental social governance framework. I love the story that you're telling there, but there really is a very direct link between environmental impact on specific communities. I love that story. Just in April, it was Earth Month. So that planet community led some fun activities and programs and all of that that were pretty meaningful. Tell us a little bit about some of those programs that we went through back in April. So we've celebrated Earth Month for a, a number of years now. So Back in April, we put on an employee-led program which aimed to promote environmental consciousness, environmental awareness across the company. So the goal of this program was to raise awareness of environmental issues. We did something similar last year as well. And what we did at Reunited Company Employee Conference was we gave employees the opportunity to participate in a social impact initiative. Imagine. 900 Calibrians in a room building a waterworks water filter, which could then be shipped to a country in need. So we partnered with a non-profit company on this absolutely huge social impact initiative to actually create something meaningful that would be used. So at the moment, the Planet Calibra community is focused on raising awareness. They're building the foundations of their community. But at the same time of doing this, they're trying to help us to drive real change that will make a difference. So for example, that water filtration 
system initiative that we took on, that was just one way of us uniting the whole company from a kind of ESG perspective to get behind something really meaningful. It was not only a team building exercise, but it was also an exercise which was going to produce some products for countries in need. So the way that we're trying to approach our Planet Calibra work and and the way that the Planet Calibra leadership team are trying to approach their work is what is really going to make the change that we need to drive as a company? So they're less focused on bells and whistles and more focused on actual practical, measurable value. Yeah. And it's making the meaning tangible. Definitely. So outlook awareness is really, really important, of course, for ESG concerns and for DEI concerns. It's fundamental to doing something. But we also do something is what we're saying as well that has some tangible outcomes like addressing water concerns in different communities and things like that. I enjoy seeing on LinkedIn new employees that join Calibra posting photos of their reveal of the uh, swag bags that they get as they join. Tell us a little bit about that. It's kind of fun. Yeah. So this is exactly what we're trying to do, right? We are integrating ESG principles across the business into company planning processes, into company plans, functional plans. And this is a real example of that. So the swag store, which is owned by our workplace and experience team in partnership, is an example of us partnering with a nonprofit provider whose mission is to create social impact and environmental impact. So we've partnered with a company called Blue Dot. They only partner with providers who are either driving environmental change or who are part of a marginalized or underrepresented community, such as BIPOC or women or whichever community it might be. And through this partnership, Calibra is able to source its company swag. So like t-shirts, caps, gadgets, whatever it is. Socks. Socks. Everybody loves the socks. (laughs) 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 We we should probably ship some out to our our listeners. Um, Yeah. So it's it's a way of us sourcing that collateral, that kit very sustainably and measuring our impact. And what I love about this is the company we've partnered with are so conscious that every provider that they've partnered with has been vetted, has been validated. We get regular impact reporting from this company. And so we're able to see how much change we are driving through this partnership, through our employees selecting their swag, and everybody loves it. That is awesome. Do you happen to have any stats handy? Yeah, so um, we've recently supported a wide range of women's communities, BIPOC communities. I cannot remember the stats off the top of my head, but it was something like 69% of our swag went to a women's community, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a huge success internally. This is the data download. So we will need to talk about some stats at some point. (laughs) Definitely. We can definitely, I can give you more stats. I can give you more stats. (laughs) Well, put them in the notes. Thank you. We will. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Let's Take a step back just a little bit and your career path, your journey into this role, I think is going to be an interesting thing to hear about. ESG and DEI are both disciplines and areas of focus that are themselves now career destinations. It's highly sought after roles. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's an indication that companies care a whole lot about staffing people responsible, accountable, et cetera, for, yeah. for, for doing that work and driving these meaningful, tangible programs through their org, right? 
So tell us a little bit about opportunities to get onto that career path. A lot of employees come to me and say, oh, how do I get into DEI? How do I get into ESG? And I kind of say, one, the business needs to be ready for it, right? So there's a real practicality that comes with this. If you're the person founding DEI or ESG functions or whatever it is, you need to make sure that you are aligning the right stakeholders and you're speaking to the right people about doing this and starting this and getting involved with this. If you're the person who is currently operating in a different organization or different function, say you're in product and you want to get into ESG, well, then you need to make sure that you are intentionally maneuvering throughout that organization. So again, speaking to the right people about your ambitions, that kind of thing, and then incrementally building up that experience. In terms of how I got into DEI and ESG, well, I mean, I could take you back to my childhood. I've always kind of been that person who's been advocating for change, people's rights, the environment. I can just see so many different ways of doing things. And to me, it's like non- You are relentless, Melissa. Right? (laughs) Thank you, Jay. I'm hoping that's a compliment. (laughs) Oh, it's absolutely a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) The way that my mind works, right, is just to see many different ways of doing the same thing. And so I'm like, why would we prefer this over that? So I was very curious. I was just very curious from a young age. And that grew and grew and grew at university. I studied French and English, but I chose all of the equality-related modules or post-colonialism or feminism, whatever it was. And I thought, oh, well, that's great, but it's not going to make me any money, is it? <laughs> I kind of thought, okay, well, I've graduated university now. I knew that I wanted to get into a field that I would love because I knew that I wouldn't be able to be successful if I didn't choose work that I love. So that was always a driving force for me. I wanted to be in a space I loved. I wanted to have a lifestyle where I could see friends and family, but still be really ambitious because I'm a really ambitious person. It just had to work for me. So I started looking around and my first um, role out of university was working for Teach First, which is a, a nonprofit teaching and leadership academy. And so I spent a couple of years learning about the education system and being a teacher, teaching a wide range of subjects. And as part of this real desire for equality and inclusion just really came out because I could see how much systemic inequality there was within the teaching industry. From there, I moved on to Accenture to be a management consultant because I wanted to really see if I could integrate the skills that I'd learned from teaching to the management consulting space. I'm really business-minded and I felt like I'd given a lot to the teaching industry. So moved on to management consulting and it's at Accenture where I got to try so many different disciplines. I really got to work out exactly where my passions were, my interests were. And the projects that I took on and the work that I led was always within the DEI space, within the organization development and change space. And from there, I just moved on to other opportunities, which would help me to keep on building this DEI muscle, this kind of change management muscle. And then eventually found myself at Calibra doing a role that I absolutely loved, um, supported by an amazing leadership team, amazing manager, and the opportunity to expand from DEI to CSR then to ESG came about and essentially the skills that you need for these disciplines are very similar. Passion is only a small part of it right so that relentlessness and passion is a small part. These are really technical disciplines and I can't stress that enough. The way in which you drive this change, the way in which you spread your messaging, connect with your stakeholders, 
determines how successful you're going to be. And so alongside needing really technical skills, you need to have those influencing skills where you know how to navigate relationships, you know how to navigate organizations, especially complex organizations or high growth, fast paced SaaS startup. And that relentlessness definitely helps. But I think above that, it's the methodology that makes you successful. And I don't think we talk about that enough from a kind of ESG, DEI, CSR initiative. A lot of people see these disciplines as the soft side of business or, you know, they're nice to have. And it's really not like that. It's a very rigorous discipline. It requires a lot of perseverance and a smile (laughs) to make sure that, (laughs) that things move forward. You certainly bring a smile to this work, uh, absolutely. And I think that helps on the change management side. Let's talk about the technical components just a little bit. Are you referring to, let's say, some of the regulatory type of components of what ESG now is becoming? Yeah, I would say that's definitely a huge part. It's definitely a huge driver of this work and something that I think about daily. ESG regulations are increasing. We're seeing the the SEC mandate new rules. We're seeing regulation from a DEI perspective as well, from an environmental perspective. And a lot of this regulation is coming out of Europe. However, it is also coming to the US as well. So increased regulation is definitely driving competition within this area. And it's definitely driving businesses to focus on ESG because stakeholders are demanding it, the board's demanding it, investors. And I think the whole world has kind of got to a stage where it realizes that in order to do sustainable business, you have to make sure you are doing business sustainably. And how can you make sure you're doing business sustainably? Well, you need to make sure that you are thinking about your environmental footprint, your impact on people and the communities you serve, and that you're also making sure you've got a critical business model in place, a resilient business model, which can ensure that you can stand the test of time. So regulation is definitely driving that. In addition, from a kind of technical perspective, I would say that the actual day-to-day requirements of this job are technical as well. So staying on top of the regulatory requirements, staying on top of reporting requirements, staying on top of customer demands and customer needs, because our customers are, are asking us questions about this all the time. And we're having to use that customer feedback to steer the strategy, pivot where necessary. But also just from a project management perspective or from a kind of overall governance perspective, there are so many people you need to involve, especially in such a global role. You know, this impacts the whole business. So, Well, there's your change management topic. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That in and of itself is a, a whole career, right? Being a change management expert. Absolutely. Of all of the hats that you have to wear, let's talk about the change management hat and storytelling. So this is my favorite part of the role and favorite part of the work. On that storytelling piece, I really believe that words matter. I really believe that every word that comes out of a person's mouth has an impact and that impact is either positive, negative or somewhere in between. And given that rate of change is slow, right? Change is incremental. It needs to be driven at a sustainable pace. I really think about how I am telling the message, how I'm telling the story about the work that we're doing and the impact we're making and the achievements that we're seeing and the results that we're getting, because that's what motivates people. That end result motivates people 
it encourages people to invite us to the table and say, oh, what are your thoughts on this? You know, when they see how successful we're being in this area. Rather than you pushing, people come exactly. asking. Exactly. Right? So that's why for me, the messaging is just so crucial. And I'm someone who likes to get really specific with that story and really specific with the messaging because I also think because the change that we drive is so incremental, from a distance, it can look like we're not driving change and it can look like we're not doing enough. But when you get really specific about what we are doing, what we're achieving and the why and the how and all of that, you suddenly realize, wow, we're achieving a lot. We have done X, Y, Z in a short amount of time. So what I'm saying is if people expect us to change the world tomorrow or to get rid of the environmental crisis tomorrow, then that's going to be very disappointing when we don't do that. But if they see that we're going to take these 10 steps in the next six months and it's going to get us to X, Y, Z, then they're motivated. And so that's why storytelling and messaging is so important for me. And then you kind of weave that storytelling imperative into change management as well in that change management is all about doing the right things at the right time with the right people, telling the right story and bringing people on the journey with you. I like to make sure we're not doing things for people or making decisions for people, but that we're collaborative, we're facilitative, and we're bringing people into this work so that they can see that they have a role to play. They are enabling our success and we're working together as a team, right? So going back to this being, you know, work that people get really passionate about, I like to make sure that we are keeping that passion alive through being strategic, through telling that story, through managing change well. We've all, for example, worked on projects or initiatives or programs where we haven't been kept in the loop, we haven't heard the right messages, we've been uninspired. And so for me, that communication aspect is just at the top of our success. Like if we don't get that right, everything falls flat on its face. All of the effort put in to drive change, to design the new programs, to do you know what I mean? So that's where it all hangs to me in the communications. So I ask every guest to predict the future for us around the topic that we're talking about. Give us some insight into what kinds of problems are you seeing out there that you're dreaming up solutions for? As an ESG professional and as an ESG team, we spend a lot of time reporting on what we're doing. And you can imagine that takes a lot of time out of the day. That's very manual to a certain extent. And it requires a lot of memory power. It requires us to be really diligent with what we are entering into these reports. It requires a huge team of people. So if I could predict the future, it would be that somebody would create a reporting mechanism or a reporting tool, which would help companies, especially, you know, small ESG teams, because ESG teams are always relatively small relative to other teams, right? To report in a consistent, standardized, streamlined way, remove that need for manual process so that ESG teams can spend more time telling stories about the work that they're doing, messaging. The change management part. Exactly. That's what I would love to see. And then if I kind of think 50 years ahead or 100 years ahead. Oh, we're going that far. Okay. Yeah. So not from a product perspective, I, I'm not <laughs> I'm not that um, visionary, but from a kind of industry or functional perspective, I'd love to see that ESG and DI doesn't exist anymore because it's just the way you do business, right? I don't think we'll get to that, but that's the end goal, ideal state. Socks. It's all about Calibra sustainability socks. 
What am I getting at here? Organizations with corporate social responsibility initiatives, environmental, social, and governance initiatives, diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives are increasingly becoming attractive places to work. So they get those socks. Candidates ask hiring companies about these related programs all the time, and it's now a factor in decisions that they're making. So why is that? Well, I'm going to connect that to a phrase I learned from Danny Meyer's book, Setting the Table. For those of you that know me, it's one of my favorite business books. That phrase is doing well by doing good, tying business performance to how it also contributes to society. I love that. So let's go over a few key things. First, ESG programs help organizations on that doing good part by addressing the environmental concerns that affect everyone on the planet. Social and governance initiatives also aim to help organizations through transparent practices. And increased legislation in this area, coupled with public interest in this subject, are beginning to make meaningful impact. Second, weaving ESG and DEI programs together amplifies the impact that both of them make. In so many cases, the most marginalized communities are the most negatively impacted out there. And intentional ESG programs can be effective drivers for their diversity, equity, and inclusion programs too. Third, companies that are implementing these types of programs can perform better. Diverse talent drives innovation. Mitigating negative environmental impact reduces risk, both physical risks and also regulatory ones. Altogether, this really can help organizations attract the best talent and succeed in their mission too, while also contributing meaningfully to society at large. For Calibra, this is the Data Download. I'm your host, Jay Millicher, and I'll see you next time. Want even more insight into managing your data? Visit Calibra.com slash podcast for additional resources on the topics covered in our show. Be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a new episode. And a five-star review certainly doesn't hurt our chances with the algorithm. It's all about the algorithm, isn't it, folks? It's a great way to help us reach new listeners, and we truly do appreciate your support. The Data Download is a production of Calibra in collaboration with Stories Bureau.